Welcome to Sage Up, a podcast about anything and everything that involves all of us on some level to better ourselves, our community, our society, humanity as a whole, by making the most impeccable choices as decent human beings. Higher vibrations and scientific data work together to make this podcast happen. I'm your host, Elle. We have a lot to talk about, so get comfy and enjoy this journey with me. In recent years, I know that there's been a lot of talk about cultural appropriation. And I know this can be a sensitive subject, but I wanted to take a moment to talk about it um, from my perspective, because I think what I've been observing is, again, there's a lot of cultural appropriation yet you know, especially in the United States, we are enriched with various cultures. Technically, the United States is a cultural mutt. We have so many different kinds of cultures existing uh, in our country. And what I would like to talk about is the difference between cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. And again, I'm well aware of, and I highly respect the need to discern cultural appropriation. I think we also need to be careful of the context in which we may gather uh, or conclude that so, so uh, excuse me, cultural appreciation is happening. And that's very important. So to give you a little background, I already said this in a previous podcast episode. So again, I, I uh, trudge lightly and I try to be very, very mindful of my words. So I'm white. I am a European mutt. <laughs> I do have some Spanish in me, but that's, you know, it's very minimal. And so to understand the different cultures and respect and appreciate the different cultures, I, for one, naturally am a traditionalist. So when I learn something new and it is coming from an enriched culture that I'm unfamiliar with, I will take the time and effort to understand more of that culture so that I will not step overstep any boundaries and show any disrespect and appropriate it. So I'm a massage therapist. Massage comes from Eastern practices. Uh, I'm a Reiki master coming from Eastern practices. Yoga comes from Ayurveda, uh, which I fell in love with when I was in massage school. And I have a lot of appreciation for Ayurveda. Um, I became very close to becoming an Ayurvedic practitioner. It was something that had crossed my mind. I have a lot of respect for it. In, in fact, when I was first interested in, in that avenue, I realized that the Ayurvedic schools that I wanted to attend 
were, um, you had to pay out of pocket and it was financially at that time. I'm like, that was a little steep for me. And I, I knew I couldn't afford it, but it, it had always been something that I wanted to do. And then I had found out that a school in Seattle, a natural, um, healing, uh, practice school in Seattle that taught acupuncture and stuff was bringing on, uh, a master's program for Ayurveda. Super cool. That's really cool that it started to branch over into the Western world. However, what has happened is now you have to, you know, it's been Westernized. Uh, you have to take your two, two and a half hours of, or excuse me, two, two and a half, uh, years of prerequisites at a public college, uh, in order to get your master's. Uh, the good news is it's, you know, um, there's financial aid for that. Um, and so it's a, coming from an accredited school. However, to me, I would never make that jump because if I wanted to learn something that's so enriched in culture, me being a traditionalist, I would want to, if anything, go to that country where it originated, say, you know, India, Southeast Asia, and learn it from somebody there. And to me, I think that is the most enriching and respectful way of doing so. So I never made that leap, but I've integrated Ayurvedic practices into, you know, my work. And it's something that still excites me to this day. I've, I find uh, doshas very fascinating. If you don't know what those are, uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and, uh, a lot of the the Ayurvedic practices, uh, it, it's all about balance and, and whole mind, body, spirit healing. And I, I've always gravitated toward that. And I think that's very fascinating. But again, I'm very careful with it. Um, and the choices that I make when I am talking about it, um, again, I'm not out there and just like displaying it, um, you know, overly proud. Or anything like that. In fact, I recently quit um, offering Ayurvedic massage just because I'm transitioning also. So uh, a lot of people don't know what Ayurveda is. And I, I blow their minds when I say, hey, yoga is Ayurvedic. And they're like, what? <laughs> and on the subject of yoga, uh, yoga, yes, yoga is a huge, huge, huge one for me. Uh, it, I've, I've had a mental battle with becoming a yoga instructor for several years now because of the appropriation, because I wanted to make sure I was becoming a yoga instructor for the right reasons. I didn't want to jump into it without a solid direction or purpose. And I was going to become a Kundalini yoga instructor. That really fascinated me. Um, at that time that of course I was contemplating it financially, I just couldn't do it. And there were a couple times where I've attempted to become a yoga instructor and basically things were kind of held up for me and the universe basically said, it's not your time. It's not time. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to rush this. I'm not going to push this. I'm not going to pursue it. I'm going to let it go. And I let it go. And then the pandemic happened and things slowed down for me and I was bored <laughs> and I was starting school, but at the same time I wanted something more. And I came across a program 
that was fully online for yoga. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm saving money doing this. I have a lot of background in, um, in anatomy and kinesiology. I, you know, have some of the foundational information from yoga, but now I can really hone in more on the philosophy uh, and perhaps the Sanskrit involved in in uh, the uh, asanas and whatnot. And then, of course, the practice of it all and, and teaching. And so I became, I went through the program kind of fast, and then I became certified, registered through Yoga Alliance, and then I just, I held off before I really jumped into anything because I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel ready. And now I'm starting to feel ready. I'm feeling like, hey, guess what? I can actually start to utilize this because I'm going to start to cut back on massage and teaching massage continuing education. Now I can start to, you know, practice um, more yoga and bring that to the forefront and carry that with me for when I relocate for school and whatnot. And so, okay, okay, this is a great time for me to do this. There's still a lot of nerves involved and there's still a lot of caution that I'm taking because of the appropriation out there. So I'm very, very cautious with it. And I make sure too, that I spell out on, on my website and stuff, you know, where I'm coming from when it comes to yoga. And I want to be careful about appropriation because yoga is overly saturated, especially in our country. And the majority of yoga instructors that you do see just so happen to be white. So I had that question. I had that internal like dialogue of, should I be doing this? Is this right? Do I feel right about this? And I thought long and hard about it. And I said, the reason that I want to provide yoga isn't just to do asanas, um, you know, to be flexible, to do this, look at me and advertise poses. And that's very important to me. I, I try to stay very humble with that aspect. And so, and so I, I make it a priority to understand that, you know, this is what yoga is. This is what yoga is not. Uh, it's, it's more than on the mat. Uh, it's more than the physical uh, exercise part of it. Um, you know, this is what it is. Uh, and I don't want it to become too much of a spiritual teaching, but I will incorporate um, some of the philosophy into it. So people have an understanding and more of a respect for yoga. And that's important to me. So when it comes to teaching yoga, I want to teach the philosophy, teach the background, teach the culture. That's huge. That's very important to me. And I'm doing it for more mental aspects, uh, mental health aspects for me <laughs> personally, and as well as for uh, my students, anybody to come join me. So there's that piece. So that was kind of a long, difficult um, choice that I had to make when it came to that. Um, I'm very, I'm very, I don't want to say defensive when it comes to um, talking about things like massage and Reiki, but I definitely have to make sure that people understand, okay, I'm a massage therapist, not a masseuse you know, here's why, so on and so forth. So it's very important for me to educate 
uh, my clients and the public and students and whatnot on these practices that uh, that I provide and that I teach. So, and there are different things that I have involved myself in when it comes to different cultures. I have taken Polynesian dancing before. I love the culture and taking it from the lady who I learned it from. Um, very, very, I mean, she stressed the culture, the respect to the culture and understanding that when I did perform, I needed to remove my, my face jewelry and things like that. And I'm like, okay, you know, and here I am at that time, a blonde sticking out in front of all these, you know, dark haired, uh, <laughs> people doing, uh, Polynesian dancing. It did feel kind of awkward for me, but at the same time, I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was a beautiful, beautiful message and art and story that can be told. And um, I really, really treasure that. And I would love to take more Polynesian dancing down the road. But it's something that I would never publish. I would never say, hey, look at me. Here's a dance I'm doing. That's no. Mm -mm. I, I won't do that. If, for instance, say somebody recorded me or my, my instructor you know, recorded and posted it. That's a different story, but I personally would never share that aspect with people, but it's enjoyable and I think it's beautiful. And so I really enjoy that experience. Um, I have a lot of Native American decor in my house and that's not because I'm Native American and I'm not appropriating it. My partner has some Native American in him. His father had passed away and his father had a lot of artifacts and and whatnot. And so we have that on display in our house. So people might see that in the background if I'm doing like a TikTok video or something. And so, you know, again, I think it's very important to understand the context where I'm coming from uh, when it comes to these things. So I've enriched myself with different cultures because I find them so fascinating, absolutely fascinating from, again, Native American to Polynesian to, um, to African. I love reggae music, but I think it's important too. I, I do, it's hard for me to enjoy reggae when I can tell that it's not coming from the respectful place. And so I don't really care for those artists who I can tell just by the way they're acting, that kind of persona that they, they have this kind of facade that they're putting on when it comes to it. Um, I, it, it, I, it, I don't really enjoy that too much. I really respect it when they are coming from that culture or they respect that culture. That's important, important to me. And roots reggae, of course, is, you know, where it's at. So, so again, I think it's very, very important to understand the context of where somebody who is white is coming from when they are expressing something culturally, whether it be for uh, their profession or for pleasure. So I had actually delved into this, um, this scholarly book uh, let me look it up for you. So you know what I'm referring to. It's a very, very lengthy, like I said, it's a scholarly book, 
but it talks about all different cultures from different worlds, but it also talks about your macro cultures and micro cultures, cultures within. So like, let's say cultures within your community, cultures within your family, so on and so forth. So um, it's very, very helpful to get an idea of what other cultures are like, where they're coming from, why they do what they do and what they don't do. Uh, and it's very helpful for, especially if you do plan to travel to uh, a certain uh, region or a certain country to get to know the culture first. I would never go to Ireland or Japan or Austria without researching the culture first. So I know what to expect and what they would expect out of me coming to visit them. Here's where the tables can turn though, is if somebody comes to America and I hear people say that you need to speak English if you come to America. Well, like I just said earlier, the United States particularly, but we can also include Canada, we are a mutt of cultures. People migrated to this land and the white population mainly came from um, England and that region. And then you also have some French. So we have to understand that we're all coming from different cultures. Our ancestors came from different cultures over here. And obviously we know that Native Americans were the ones that resided on this land first. But we also have to understand that evolution-wise and historically how things worked is everybody migrated from uh, the African region. And so you're going to have people all over the world with different characteristics, uh, inside and out, different cultures, uh, different genetics. They're gonna look different depending on the region and that is because of adaptation. Uh, so we have to understand genetically, we have to understand biologically how things became to be so that we understand we all came kind of from that same, you know, genetic pool uh, way down the line. <laughs> and in fact, we all came from different species. You know, it wasn't just that there was just humans. We've come from different species down the line in history. But to understand different cultures, where they're at now. So like if I were to go, I don't remember what country it is, but there is a country that has like 30 different types of smiles. I mean, you kind of have to understand that perspective. So if you go somewhere where smiling is, is either really diverse or disrespectful and somebody like an American goes and visits that region, we could easily offend somebody by smiling or smiling the wrong way, having the wrong type of smile at the wrong time. Um, distance between people. We have those comfort zones. I guess in America, it's about uh, three feet is is our, our kind of our, our boundary, our physical boundary. But if we go to a different country, it could be less, it could be more. 
So understanding different cultures is very important. And the reason why I choose to submerge myself in different cultures while being an American is because we are a cultural, culturally diverse country. We're a culturally diverse region. And I think it's fair to say that we have this freedom to be culturally diverse. And that's very important, but we need to be respecting that and not expecting everybody who comes here to speak English. Does it make it difficult sometimes when we're trying to communicate with somebody? Yeah. Um, what's great is that we have a multitude of resources for us to learn different languages. I would say Spanish is probably the most helpful. Uh, I actually never ended up taking uh, a foreign language in high school, and I kind of regret I don't want to say regret, but I kind of miss that opportunity. Uh, now uh, for college, I do have to take foreign language, but I'm excited. I'm really excited. Hey, I'm committing to this. I've, you know, I've taught, I've done self-teaching when it comes to Spanish and German <laughs> um, because I have uh, German blood in me. And so I am really excited to expand that part of myself. And I am looking forward to that because it may make things easier when I'm communicating with certain people or I travel somewhere where they speak Spanish. And of course, I understand that there's two types. There's two dialects of Spanish. There's Spain Spanish and there's Mexican Spanish. But I'm really excited to branch out uh, with this. I think it's helpful. So it's important to not be closed-minded when it comes to cultures and understand where we all come from. So I want to look up that book. That's very helpful. Um, but I can also just go ahead and put it into the text of this uh, episode for you. So the book is called Customs of the World Using Cultural Intelligence to Adapt Wherever You Are by Professor David Livermore. And it, like I said, it is a good read, a good listen. It's really long, a lot of lectures, so it's lecture heavy, but it's awesome. It's really cool. And we get to understand different cultures, such as individualistic versus uh, collectivist, uh, like, you know, in the United States, we're more individualistic. Um, and so it really is very, very helpful for us to kind of expand our knowledge and expand our understanding of these different cultures and the fact that we're surrounded by it. So again, I think it's important to distinguish appropriation and appreciation of different cultures and where somebody is coming from before jumping to conclusions, because I'm sure, you know, somebody could easily assume just by seeing, you know, the backdrop of, of native American artifacts and whatnot in the background of a video or uh, me talking about or practicing yoga that I am appropriating. And uh, if, if you allow yourself to ask questions or dig a little bit deeper, you might be able to see, hey, she's actually respecting uh, the, the culture where this is coming from. And so, of course, you know, I'm just in a sense kind of defending myself, but I think it's important that we are, we are at this heightened um we are at this heightened awareness of cultural appropriation to the point where um, it feels like if any white person 
expresses some interest in something that has a cultural attachment to it, that it's appropriation. And, you know, it's possible that that is true, but I think it's, again, very important to look at the context, to understand the context and where the person is coming from first. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you for tuning in and I will chat with you soon.